It should be a good week. We definitely got a good weekend of at the time of this recording. Tennessee's about to play Georgia, so we got some good football That's going on this weekend. So we're good. Uh, Rusty Sooners are Rusty Sooners playing. I don't want to talk about them right now. Okay, all right. We talk about Georgia. Yeah. Well, okay, we won't talk about them right now. Yeah, no, it's uh, as a Georgia fan, it, go ahead. Oh, Florida State's going to beat the U. That's all. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Man. yeah, I forgot about the old. Well, once again, Georgia and Tennessee. Yeah, once well, again, Georgia and Tennessee. Saturday. As a Georgia fan, it makes me a little nervous, okay? Because Tennessee is, is – they have a real chance because t- Georgia has not played well really at all except last week. I mean, against Florida at the time of this recording. Um, they played They played pretty good. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I guess it'll be the first – First test of our uh, of our medal, I guess, this week. But uh, it'll be a good, it'll de- definitely be a good game. So uh, this Tennessee team reminds me of twenty nine LSU, where it's like a perfect storm for them to be able to win it all. I know this is uh, if it does, then everybody's gonna go crazy, um, and I'm really nervous. But you I, know, I don't know what they can destroy now. They destroyed the goalposts. Like, what do you think if they win the national championship? What, what, what's next on the list? They're gonna Bible in the river. You think so? I think if they if they if they beat Georgia, I think they throw the coach in the river. Well, they're going to be in Athens, so they can't do no, that. No. I think that they 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 rip up the hedges, take them back, and throw throw them in the river. Look, if we do at the time of this recording, listeners, next week you'll have to tune in to see uh, based upon if Georgia or Tennessee wins on how my mental state is going, and you might just have to say a little prayer for me this weekend on uh, and me and my father because I'll be watching it with my dad and. Uh, and he and I'm very competitive, but my father is even more so. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how uh, it if all is well in the Gaddis household uh, next uh, next week or next podcast. So, what we wanted to dive in today a little bit about is you know just our our personal struggles, um, you know, because each of us you know definitely have had something that we've that. As Rusty was saying last week, our hot dogs. Um, the hot you know, dogs. Yeah, Satan can only get you with so much. You know, they have to. He has to throw with what kind of bait that he thinks that you like, because he can't really attack you. You know, he can't. Like you said, he's not omnipotent or omniscient. Omnipotent. Yeah, yeah. omnipotent. He can't. Uh, Big words. He's not all knowing. Yeah, all powerful. Look, I didn't. Uh, I didn't finish college. Okay, guys. So I, all these big words, I'm out on them. I, I don't understand hey. what they mean. John is our only uh, educated man here. So okay, he's. We have one smart fellow and two. Uh, Two halfway idiots. Well, yeah, well, one really dumb one. <laughs> yeah, me. You, you guys figure out which one. No, <laughs> no me. I, I didn't even finish high school. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. Uh, so, anyways, we'll uh, we'll dive into that, and I, you know, I'll yeah, let's talk about. That. I want to. So, last week you guys kind of mentioned that you guys were roommates. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, okay. So, it, something that you should know about John and I is that what made us really good friends growing up, like we were, we were always, like John said last week, if 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 something was going on and John was there, I was there because. You know, so okay, something a little bit about me is I'm the oldest of three. Um, and because of that, being the oldest, like I kind of got, you know, I, I felt like my, my parents were obviously 
you know, as great as you can you can get like I, I love my mother and father but I mean you know just eldest child syndrome I guess like I always felt like I was you know the guinea pig and you know yeah. kind of got like my my younger siblings kind of got a little better than I did like of course yeah like, which if, you know just being a father of three I can go ahead and attest to that that uh the oldest the first one you're like you, you get all the nice cribbing and all the all the stuff the matching clothes and you go all out and then by the time you get to the third one you're like oh, who cares you yeah. know go play <laughs> yeah go play yeah but what I always uh put us uh me and john together and like just our friend group that we hung out I, because i was the oldest of my family i was always the youngest of all of us grew, like hanging out just because i i enjoyed being the baby and i didn't have to be the oldest anymore so that's why i gravitated towards a lot of the friends that i did but anyways if, they, if there's something going on john and i were there together usually um and be, what made us such good friends is that we're we're so very different like i'm a very i would say i would describe myself as a learned extrovert but i definitely have uh, I'm definitely an introvert at heart. Like I definitely have to have my time alone. I have to have, you know, it, I definitely have a social battery, but John is like the exact opposite. It's like people energize John to the max. Like this dude would literally growing up, like call us like our friend group to go with him to go get gas. Like he couldn't literally, he literally couldn't go get gas by himself. Like uh, I was like, what in the world are you doing? So he has a, he had a posse just to go get gas. Yes, he did. Like a, to go to the grocery store and everything, but entourage. Yes. Yes. It, but because we were such like that, it made us terrible roommates because you know, when I was, um, I was, I was going through rookie school, um, when we were living together. Okay. Um, uh, about, what was that? Five, six years ago. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, yeah, what was that, John? Maybe about four or five, four or five years ago, something like that. Um, it been 2018, yes, four years ago. I yeah. Think. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, anyways, um, because of that, I was, you know, I was tired, and I was always like, when I got home, I wanted to, you know, just either study or whatever. And you know, John always had people over, and like was, you know, just being, you know, what does what John's John's good at, which is, you know, a blessing. Like he was always entertaining and always, and which is something that I always enjoyed about John is why I was always friends with John because, you know, without John, I would have definitely been like the cranky old man at age 16. Like that, that was something that they always used to laugh at me about because I was always in bed, you know, early or whatever. But, you know, and because of that, like, because I, I, you know, mercy is definitely not my spiritual gift either. And so like, I definitely, I've worked on it since then, but, um, my, temper used to flare like super duper bad okay and so especially when i was of course you know being tired at explanation whatever so i was just an absolute butthole to john this whole time like mm. like I, I was a terrible i like i said i i'm sure john could attest to that i mean i was always cranky dude i mean you know like, i'll let john tell that story i mean he can tell that story about me i i, I had my own flaws like i'm not gonna let drew see and bash himself like i was unnecessarily messy and like i would didn't exactly communicate when people were coming over uh, but like it got to the point where we were Drew. I think the power was in Drew's name and the water was in my name, and we were supposed to be like sending each other half. And it just got to the point where we just each paid those bills on our own because we not communicate with the other. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. And so it, it it's it led to a... I moved out at eleven o'clock at night. Like I brought eight people over to help me pack everything up and just leave the house. Yes. And came out shirtless and was like what are you doing <laughs> yeah i probably look like the the classical redneck coming out like with no shirt on like just waving my oh, head or whatever where did you move is, is this when you moved to where you're at now no so i uh i, I moved in with some other guys um so they they weren't the, it wasn't that i got along with them then i got along with drew it was just 
we, we made better roommates because Drew was, had, like, he was going through rookie school, so he was cranky and dealing with a lot. And these guys were just, like, more established with where they were at in terms of, like, one was in college with me and the other one was working full-time in an established job in ministry. Uh, so it was, it was way more laid back for both of them. Um, and it was just uh, a better better environment for both of us because I had been friends with one of them for about as long as I've been friends with Drew, uh, but he was much less a dominating personality than Drew. Okay. Uh, so Drew and I have clashes where both of us think we're right, and the other guy that I lived, was moving in with, he uh, he pretty much rolls over and defaults. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm never right. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. So basically what we're saying is John and I have some domestic issues, okay? We, we fought like an old married couple. <laughs> Both of us are type A personalities. But that leads us into what we're going to talk about today. Um, that, you know, because John and I were so such bad roommates, and, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're still good friends, you know, to this day, obviously, we just have a little, little rough time as, you know, friends do. But, like, we didn't act necessarily the way that we should have. And, you know, it brings to our uh, uh, our question today is, like, what would you do if Jesus was your roommate? Like, what would... Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. And so that, in in as John brought up, like, you know, all our last week, you know, as far as insecurity goes, like, there was, he was saying, that, you know, there was many times where he was sitting over there and John and I were best friends, told each other everything, everything growing up. Like, there was nothing that I didn't know about him and there was nothing that he didn't know about me growing up. But he was sitting literally, you know, 20 feet that way um, late at night, that, but he was just suffering and he wouldn't come and talk to me. But, and, and because, like, obviously, because I was being such a, a, a jerk, like, yeah. but, would that be different if Jesus was your roommate? Like, you yeah, know. that's a good question. You know, if like if Jesus physically lived with you, yeah, like in the house, that'd be. So that that's a good thing to ask yourself. Like, what what would what would it be like if Jesus was my roommate? Like, would it be some stuff you would change in your life? Something you wouldn't do? Something you wouldn't even think about doing? You know? Yeah. I think that's a good question because a lot of times in life we think, oh, well, no one knows. This is something I'm doing. No one knows. Like, yes. I'm I'm good to do this. Like, I'm by myself in this big old house. I kicked John out, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm good. I'm good to go. But what if Jesus was your roommate? And it's a good question because, as we said earlier last week, we talked about uh, your body being the the temple now. And Jesus is our roommate, essentially, in, in real life. And it's a lot of times we, we forget about that. So that's a good thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it definitely would have changed a lot of things that, you know, just thinking about this question, it definitely would have changed a lot of things that I had done in my life because, you know, a lot, uh, my stumbling point in my life was like really like the, you know, the three or four years after, you know, John moved out. Like I, you know, I, like I said in the other podcast, I, I stopped really, you know, hanging out with a lot of good golly people. You know, I, I started getting other friends, you know, starting to drink a lot, you know, getting into, you know, getting into the ladies a lot. And, you know, I, and it would have been something I would have definitely changed if, you know, to be fair, though, Drew, like not not to excuse behaviors or like, but like the friend group that we had that kept us connected to the church, like crumbled in the matter of the matter of six months. Oh, like, yeah. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's just growing up. Like, I mean, through our teenage years, you know, I mean, everybody moves off, goes off to college because I mean, at this time, like when I, you know, I didn't I didn't go to college. Um, uh, and so at the time, you know, I. One of the ways that Satan really got to me uh, was because we we had a um we not had we have a a college ministry at our church um and so which is obviously for you know 
18 to, you know, 21 year olds like that college age or whatever. Yeah. And so that was the, the age that I was in. And so going to there, you know, but like everybody else was in college and I was having to go to work every day, you know, yeah. and like just, it was definitely a different set of problems that I was having than these people were like their, their main problems were, you know, tests and, you know, studying, you're studying and, you know, just, you know, your college worries and Who I, ate my ramen noodles. Yes. Yes. And I, I definitely didn't have that. And so, you know, one of the ways that Satan got to me to get me out of there, they're like, those people don't understand you. They don't, they don't know what you're going through. Like they don't have to get up and go work a nine to five. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? These yeah. people have it so easy. Like you're not like them. Like, you know, all these other people, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to be going out drinking with everybody else who's going to work. That's, that's what you should be doing. Like that's how, that's how Satan really got to me. Um, and so, and again, like, but it wouldn't have happened if I, like, again, if I just thought, like, what if my, Jesus was my roommate? Like what if I, if Jesus was my roommate, would if I you, be bringing those girls good, home? If you like, cooked a heart, the verse in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. So I think if we if we honestly start clinging to that verse and realizing that Jesus is our roommate. Yes. He's literally with us everywhere we go. I think that, that gives you more confidence. And even, we you know, we play softball in a men's league. Even, even out there, you could think, you know, Jesus is my roommate. He's with me. Yeah. He's with me with everything I do, you know? Yeah. Anytime you're feeling like, oh, I'm having a bad day, it's like, it's not, it's not important. This is just a part of a life. This is just a game. Yeah. Real life is walking with Jesus and, and looking through things with spiritual eyes in that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely a, a great thing to think about because again, like you said, you're right. that The Holy Spirit is with you always. And, you know, if, if Jesus is, is always with you, then there's something that you can always call on, uh, call upon again, even like even in your hot dog situation. Because again, it, it sounds dumb, but in my you know dumb and educated mind, like I, all the time, like you know I'll catch myself like oh oh you know like like you said up oh, girls to the gym you know oh that's my hot dog I gotta I gotta go away like I mean like going away the other way I can't I can't do that like I literally like smile to myself and think oh hot dog like yeah, it's 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 fun now because I I love that analogy you know because I think about it all the time now yeah yeah. I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's a thing where it's like, I think we talked about it briefly last but we're, like you were talking about with, with the college ministry, like Satan knows that we, we are more susceptible in isolation. Um, and so like getting us and feeding make us more susceptible. It's like, even if by, you know, telling you like, hey, Drew, like these people don't like, even if put it feeding that lie into your head isn't going to cause sin directly, it's going to alienate you from a body of belief. Um, and I, that, that mindset of alienation, like I talked to so many people when I was in college who were like living on their own um, and being the extra that I am, like I couldn't have handled the alienation of, of living by myself. Like I just, I just wouldn't have thrived in that environment. Uh, and so thinking about, you know, Jesus as my roommate, like the, the amount of time, and, and I think Drew, you and I were bad examples of this just because of how, how bad they went down, but other people I've lived with, including my wife, um, how intimate like things are with you. Like, like they know your cleaning habits. They, they, some degree know your bathroom habits. Like they know how, like what you do, where do you, like how you park, what, what, like no one else knows you better. Um, because you're in a constant space with them and like friends that you see out about, you can you know, go home and, and create space from, but your roommate, like 
all you can do is close the door to your room, but they're still right there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's, it's one of those big things where it's, if Jesus, you know, is to, if we're thinking of him as our roommate, it's, it's not just the idea that he lives around, um, you know, but it's an intimate thing, not romantically intimate usually, but like that intimate belief of like, I am sharing this space with this person. Like there are, there is an understanding that a communal place and it's not like, I don't have ownership. They don't have ownership, but it's a joint thing. Um, and so I think that makes it a really interesting dynamic to examine. Yeah, exactly. And and something that makes me think of too, is that like, even though that it's, it's exactly like the Holy spirit in our heart, um, because he dwells in us, but like even when we're Christians, but even as like Christians, which is something I've done, even though that he, he is my roommate in my, you know, my temple that is my body, you know, you can still, like you said, you can still close your door. Like, yeah. and that's something that, you know, I, I did for a long time was, you know, even though I, you know, I was, I was saved when I was, you know, a young boy. Um, but you know, I closed the door on my, what now? He said, young boy. A young boy. <laughs> yeah. When I was a, a young man. I like to put it this way. So you ever think about a magnet? You remember in science class, you get the two magnets and you, you turn them around opposite yeah. sides and they push apart. And then you're like, no matter what you do, you can't, especially a strong magnet, you can't push it together. But I look at that like God and, and sin, right? They can't coexist. So God is who God is. He, he's light. And if you turn all the lights off in your house and then turn a light on, look what happens. You can see. Yes. None of the darkness exists. And that's the same with God and sin. So a lot of times we allow that sin to separate us from God. It's not God leaving. God doesn't change. He doesn't move. Yeah. It's us pushing ourselves further away from God. Yeah. We're like, oh, oh, I have this little sin. It's not a big deal. And we ignore it, you know, and we forget that he's our roommate. Yeah. And he's right there that we could come to him. We could talk to him anytime. We could knock on his door and say, hey, Jesus, this is what's going on, you know, and allowing him to help us through that and, and to heal whatever it may be. We just kind of sit in our room and close the door. Yeah, and we 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 do what it sounds like you and John did, kind of just ignoring the problems. You know, okay. hey, your socks are on the floor again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or, or why'd you park crooked? I can't even park. I gotta park in the street. You know, yeah. common roommate things that you guys went through. We do that with Jesus. Oh yeah. We forget that that our body is a temple, that it is the dwelling place of the Lord, and that He's with us. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh... And not not that He's with us, but like He's not a guest. Like He lives there. He mm-hmm. He is. He, he has a right and there's an expectation for us to, to maintain it a certain way because it's his space too. Yeah. yeah. He called us. He said that uh, we are no longer our own. We are now slaves yeah. to Christ, Paul said, you know, and people and forget I, that. They live for their self. I think like if, if, if you guys were to come over to my house right now, like I probably wouldn't clean up too much just because it's like, well, you know, like this is, this is, you know, my space. Like it's how I want it. Like it's fine. I'm okay with the state it's in. Yeah. But like my wife, she could come in and she would be like, Hey, will you pick this up? And it's like, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Because like, <laughs> yeah. she has, she has a right to this space Like she lives here too. But also thinking about it, like she brings value to me to this space. Like I enjoy her being here. I, I enjoy what she like the, the community that she brings me in this space. So I want to keep her, like, I want to keep it a place where she feels welcome and feels happy. And I think if we approach our hearts with that idea and put, like, and put Jesus in that place, it's like, is my heart a place where Jesus feels welcome? Is my heart a place where like, if he lived, if he lives there, is it up to standard? Is it a place where he, he feels like he is welcome and he has value? 
Right. And if you think about that concept, if you're, your body being the temple of the church, think about this. Would you, would you go to a church that's full of hatred? Would you like invite a friend like, hey, man, I got this awesome church. You need to go there. And you get there and the pastor was all self-seeking. He's like, guys, I know we should read the Bible, but I want to talk about me today. Right? Because yeah. we do that. We get, we get very okay. self-seeking. We get jealous. We get full of wrath and envy and malice and all these other things that the Bible says to avoid. What if, what if that's how you run your church? Because that's how a lot of people run their bodies and, and their lives, who they are. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I, that's what I did because, you know, I, when I was, you know, a couple of years ago when I was running around or whatever, I was always worried about, you know, me. It was never, it was never to anybody, to anybody else's benefit. And like, again, that's what, going back to the whole joy thing, like, like what you were saying last week, Rusty, like, it's like, even when we're praying, like, a lot of times we fall into that trap of like, Lord, help me, Lord, do this for me. Like, 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 you know, all this, oftentimes the, the analogy is like rubbing a genie on a bottle. Like, yeah. like, Lord, do do this for me like i've been good this week do this for me but it's not about that like like you said we're we're literally servants of the lord like it is it yeah. is on us you know we've been given the Lord's stewardship will. of a temple yes stewardship so it's not our own it's actually it's his mm-hmm. and we are to steward it in, in the right way mm-hmm. and and going back to that concept jesus is our roommate he, he lives next door am i being a good steward of this place that he's allowing me to live in this is his house yeah. you know and and shame is often what turns that the light off. Like you know, if Jesus is here, like you know, like the analogy that you made, like you know, there can be no darkness in the and light. It's crazy to think that there's a solution to whatever you're going through. There's a solution right next door. There's it's right here. I just gotta reach out and say, hey, can I talk to you, man? Yeah. Just let Jesus turn on. And that's the cool thing about Jesus. He always had time for people. <clears throat> Anytime you read in the Bible, it was never like sorry. You know, he always had time. And sometimes it seemed like he didn't have time. But it turned out he did. He was just waiting for the opportune time. But he always had time. He always made time. He always put others first. That's that's the whole point of his existence here was for us to die for our sins. And that's the craziest thing to think about. The yeah. most selfless man ever. And we don't want to follow that example. Yeah, and that's uh that's something that I I personally now struggle with because like I've always um enjoyed serving. Now y'all can you know speak speak to this and you know tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong, because this is something I've always struggled with. Like I've always enjoyed serving, but for a selfish reason. Like it's all I serving has made me feel good. Like I, I get to serve because I get to say that, you know, I did this or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. And that's something that even now I'm struggling with. Like, because I think there's a lot of things that, you know, oftentimes like the Lord examines our heart, like, you know, what doing something that's good on the outward appearance, like, you know, that you get to say that you're, you're doing or whatever, but like, what is the reason that you're doing yeah. it? Not necessarily like it's not necessarily the the outcome, but it's like oftentimes it's the like I said, the reason that you're doing it. Like what's yeah. the what's the inward appearance to you? Like have you ever heard the saying, people say what they think, but they do what they believe? Yes. That's exactly what you're talking about there. So a lot of people in the church will say, like, Oh yeah, yeah, I believe God, I got faith. You know, I believe you could do this and that, but then they do the opposite. Yeah, churchgoers, like like we said last week, like the Christian atheists, they they say what they think, but they do what they believe, which is usually the opposite of what the Bible says to yes. do, because they don't believe in the Word of God. Yes, like you said, it's it's uh, and um, I was listening to another podcast that I listened to. They were uh, talking about um, when Jesus was going around to the temple, and you know, at that time they were um, a big thing was rules, a lot of rules about what you eat and how you eat and what you wash your hands and all all this other stuff. And and Jesus' big thing was like, it's not about 
what's going into your body that's going to make it unclean is what's coming out of your body that makes you unclean like it, it so you know putting into that idea that you know you're out of out of the overflow of your heart your mouth speaks like yeah that kind of thing because like, i mean like you said often like that's that's what i was doing for you know most of my life is like i said church going like i i was oh yeah I, I love the Lord. Praying but not dealing. Yes, and then I was going out, you know, partying, drinking, you know, having sex, like you know, all this other stuff, like that I was doing that, you know, was just furthering my distance from the Lord. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, and again, it shame is like I said, like I said last week, shame is just the the killer of of all things, at least in my experience, because like that's the the main thing that you know, like I said, my my big struggle in life has always been of the 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 sexual variety like i struggled with porn for years and years and years um like pretty much my whole you know high school life um which was like a lot of my you know formative years and so like now that i just have that like that that's what started me down my you know my downward slide like because that's you know it to a young man's mind that just that's what you focus on now. Like if that's what just all you're seeing, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. days, days of time, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what you're focused on. That's what your heart's focused on. And, and you know, to me, that's my, it's my heart. It, God. It, it kills me to see like, it, it, well, it breaks my heart. Really, it's probably the best way to phrase it to see how like porn positive secular culture has become because yeah. <laughs> they don't understand like the lasting consequence and the lasting like, the best word for it is probably mutation, but like exposure to porn like mutates and and drastically affects the way that a young man views sex, even within the confines of marriage. And that wasn't something that I standing of until I got married. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you know, I've, obviously I'm not married, but like, even like, even now, like, I, I, you know, thankfully the Lord has not let me, you know, the Lord has let, let me out of that addiction. Like, I, I haven't, you know, watched porn and three years now i think um but even now like it, even since it's been so long like that's like that's something that i have to actively think against like my say we try to use those past experiences of that with you in your single life yes yes right. so like that's what like you know the lord or the world you know says that you know well it's the third date now you gotta take her home buddy this is like, the goal this is your goal yeah, yeah. instead of dating is really uh getting prepared for marriage yeah if you if you're not like you're dating somebody and you're not the saying i might marry this girl then you, you're wasting your yes. time what you is the wasting point? It. yes but I, i'd like to come from a different perspective because this is something that i really struggled with uh in my life i had already been married we had already had children uh three children and now I, I was married but i was still secretly hiding in my room like jesus wasn't there and, and i'd watch porn like uh, when anytime i was alone i would watch porn and uh, i would uh just dwell on these other women and it got to the point where i started seeking trying to look for for beautiful women in, in public you know we go to like the gym or something say oh that girl's hot you know and i was letting these like thoughts dwell and it all started with pornography and it actually led to a dramatic event in our life that one for me that i'm actually thankful for and we use this for our ministry now me and my wife but it got to the point where i uh started lusting so bad over women that i started seeking out women and i ended up stepping out of my marriage and committing adultery on my wife and i started walking down that that path for a long time and i thought oh it's it's fine you know i'm just just having fun you know it's not a big deal and it got to the point where it almost it almost ruined our marriage luckily my wife she was 
she's a strong Christian woman and, and she would not let me get a divorce. I kept begging her for a divorce and I kept actively uh, seeking out things I could do to try to make her dislike me even more, but she never gave up. She just kept praying for me and praying for me. And it, and ultimately, it's one of the things I talked about last week. Uh, I, I've tried everything. And this is one of the things I've tried. I tried sex as much as I could get it, you know, try to go out there and find pleasure in women. And it's one of the things that ultimately led to me finally falling down on my knees and saying, God, I've tried everything. I have literally tried everything. I've tried drugs. I've tried partying. I've tried to be, you know, going out and being popular and getting a status and people saying, oh, he's cool. And I've tried women. I tried everything, God, and I'm broken and I've ruined my life. Can you fix this? And if you can, I'll, I'll give you everything. And I remember praying that prayer in my kitchen one day crying my eyes out all alone in my house and just saying, God, I can't do this anymore. If you're real, show me you're real. And I just felt in my heart that I needed to give everything I had just to try it out for a month and see what would happen. And I remember I started getting into my Bible every morning, started reading, started begging my wife for forgiveness and, and just going through those steps that you have to go through, you know. And I remember God just really touched my heart. And this one day my wife came into me, it was about three months in. She said, you realize you, you haven't cussed in about three months? And I said, what? You know, I never tried to stop cussing. It was just one of those things. I, I just was giving my whole heart to the Lord. I was reading his word every day and, and just trying to just save some some part of my life that I had just destroyed. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, wow, God has given me a new heart. Or I don't even think the things because I used to think uh, so perverted and I used to uh, just cuss. Every other word was a cuss word, you know, and God literally changed my heart and he literally saved our marriage. And we have the strongest marriage I'm partial to it because it's my marriage, but I, I believe that me and Brittany, we just love each other so deeply. I, I, now I think back to what I did, and it's, it's just it breaks my heart all over again because it's like, how could I ever do something such a, an amazing woman? And what it was was I wasn't walking with the Lord. I didn't have any guardrails. I didn't identify that I had this this hot dog of, or this temptation that that was getting me. I didn't have any guardrails. I didn't live like Jesus was my roommate. I didn't have uh, the know-how to just call out to Jesus at the time until after everything had crumbled, everything was broken in my life. And and now we use that as a, as a great ministering tool with people, uh, to other couples that are struggling. We say, hey, this is what we're going through. Are any of these things going on in your life? Are you not setting these guardrails up in, in this circumstance? So, Yeah, and, and, and that's just a testament. Like, like hearing your story, like every time that I hear it, it makes me, it just, it just fills me with such a, amazement for the, the power of the Lord, because like literally, that's something that only the Sa Lord saved the marriage and saved me. You know, that that's something I never in a million years. I thought for sure I was like, well, my marriage is over. I finally realized how bad I messed up and that that I was so wrong. And now that I'm walking with the Lord, I could see how sinful I've been. I was like, but it's over with. But God said, nope, it's not. Yeah. He said, I want you know, I want, I want to use this for good because I can turn evil to good in, in a heartbeat, and that's what He did. And He gave you joy, like that again, like something I talked about last week is that like. Like literally, when like for people joy, who don't know you, you you have you have joy because it came it comes from the Lord. Like because you seek the Lord every day and always you know have up, give opportunities to to speak the Lord in every conversation that almost every conversation we have like at, at work and everything else because that comes from the Lord and that's that's yeah, I can that honestly I say from both sides that I've been on both sides of the of the playing field both sides. And I can honestly say that that joy just comes from the Lord. There's nothing that will give you joy. And I thank you for that, that, that you say that I have joy because sometimes, you know, I'm just like anyone else. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But I always say every morning I ask my son, I say, what, what's the day? And he goes, today is the day the Lord is made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Psalm 118, 24. Every morning we say that because 
it's the truth. We got to have joy. You got to put it on. It's something you you decide. You say, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm going to be a good steward of this life He's given me. Yes. I'm not going to sit here and, and cry and dwell over things or st situations. You know, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is the Lord. And if yes. you put that as your your first and foremost thing in your life, it, it changes your life. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it's something that you know has been a big deal in you know in my you know trying to you know come back and get right with the Lord like. Because again, like you know, when we first started, even when we first started working with each other, um, which was earlier this year, like I, I, I was still, you know, still kind of on the fence, like you know, still trying to play both camps, like being out of the world, but you know, going to the church and like seeing, like seeing joy is is honestly something that's so so much a blessing for me because like like I said, like I, I'm the I'm the same way. I was searching for happiness. Like I you know, I was trying to fill my my the hole in my life with happiness and you know and that's something that only like you said that you can only put it on if it's from the Lord. Like and that's something that you know, again it's it's a big thing that to it's what you gift. said. It's a gift that he gives you. Yeah. And it's a big thing too that's what you said too is that you have to put it on every day because that's such that's such truth. Like sometimes like like the Lord gives you opportunities every day for blessings that he gives you. But it is all up to us on whether we see those blessings or not. Like, yeah. cause the Lord gives us to it. But a lot of times we're like, we dwell on, you know, one thing, one bad thing that happened. Like the, yeah. are you, like people let, I, I, I am guilty of this. I let 30 minutes of my day ruin the whole rest of the day. Yeah. We, like, we forget that about God's grace, that he gives us grace, that, that he's here to love us, you know? Yeah. I, I love that uh, Judas, if anyone doesn't know Judas, he was he was the one who betrayed Jesus and gave him over to be crucified. Right before, Jesus said, friend, come, do what you come to do, right? Friend. Yes. Called him friend, even though he knew what he was going to yes. do. None of us had killed Jesus. But Judas literally handed Jesus over, and Jesus yeah. still called him friend. With a kiss. So guess what? Your little, you know, your little 10 minutes of sin or whatever you've done that, that's ruining your whole day. Yes. It's easy to think. Oh, I, I, my life's over. I, I, I walked. God doesn't want anything to do with me. The truth is, He'll still call you friend. Yes. He still wants. He still wants you in His life. He says, "Come back." You know, He yes. wants to give you a big old hug and say, "Brother, it's okay." Yes. Let's work. Let's, let's put some guardrails up. Let's work forward in in this moment. Let's let's turn it around for good. I thought I, I listened to something the other day, and it, it changed my perspective on that whole thing. You know, Jesus, and He knew from the jump that Judas was going to betray Him. He knew. But he still brought him in and loved him and and made him part of his inner circle and spent time with him and ministered to him the same way he did all the rest of the disciples. And to me, like just that picture of like in our lives, like there are moments where we do betray. Him. Now, thankfully, like you know, we're not handing him over to be killed. But I mean, that doesn't better than Judas. Like we, there are times when daily when we betray Jesus and it's like if he would treat it how we deserve then there all hope is lost because like there, there's nothing I'm living for on my own could, could do anything um you know certainly the way that I I have previously lived I wouldn't have deserved anything um yeah and it's a it, it's cool like one of the you know I I really like to have started listening to Zach Williams and he's got some good stuff if you know because he's got you know I like country music and, you know, he's got that, you know, twang into it, but he's always, you know, he's got good messages in every one of his songs. He's a Christian singer, but one of his old, some of his older stuff on it, something he says before he starts singing is like the Lord can turn, bring the biggest mess and turn it into the biggest message. Like, 
he can bring it, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, he allows us to get to those such low points for a, so we can see, you know, how much of a, you know, disgrace that we are and that we can't, you know, do anything. Nothing's going to stand if it's not from the Lord, but two, so that, you know, when we're, you know, as he's brought us out and we're telling people about our, our experiences that, you know, Hey, if the Lord has done this in my life, like, Think of what he could do for you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if he brought me out of this, he can surely brought you out of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, and we have some stories. We have some, some crazy stories that are going to be coming on the podcast of people who you never in a million years think that Jesus could turn around. Yes. And just going back to the Judas example, I mean, it, in the Bible it talks about how Judas, he ended up hanging himself. But, but I believe if he would have just realized, you know, Jesus just called me friend even though I did this. Even though he knew what was going to happen, he allowed me to walk with him. Yes. If he would have just realized that simple truth that Jesus was still his friend, yeah, I think he could have came back. Yeah, I think Jesus could have turned his life around. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And um, a, a great example of that is Peter. Um, when Peter, uh, when they were sitting down at the Passover, like uh, the yeah. same thing, Peter says, well, you know, you know. Again, I, I'm not. I, I can't quote it word word for word, and I'm probably going to butcher it. But you know, the gist of it was, you know, Peter. Uh, Jesus was saying, you know. I won't be portrayed this night. And, and Peter was like, oh, no, that'll never be. Not me. I, ever, man. Not I, yeah. Lord. Not I, Lord. And he literally, and, you know, Jesus said, you know, by the time before the rooster crows tonight, you'll deny me three times. And sure enough, like, as, you know, Jesus was taken off that at night, you know, Peter followed him and a, and a couple other disciples did as well. And, like, he couldn't go, you know, into the inner chamber where they were holding Jesus. But, you know, he was warming himself by the fire and doing all these things. And, like, three different people asked him. Like, some soldiers asked him. I think a servant asked him. And somebody a little, a little girl. Yeah, a little girl. And three times he, he denied, nope, not I. And even it says it goes to go so far to say he even swore an oath, which back then, you know, at that time. Cursed. You know, yes. An oath was like. Like it was a big, big deal. Like you, you don't, you don't just swear an oath and like it not be, you know, it not be true. And so, and it, it said after that, like you know, when the rooster crowed, I mean, that's the third time, you know, Peter cried. And if you think, if you go back into the Acts, like into Acts, like Peter was one of the biggest people that he used to do all these kind of miracles and all this yeah. good. And like, and even after he denied him, like it's he Matthew, knew Jesus. It's Matthew twenty six seventy four. It says then, then began he to curse and swear, saying, I I know not the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. So you think about that, whoa, to the point where like he was so, he was trying to convince him so, like so hard that he, he didn't know like Jesus. He's like, I don't know him, I don't know him. That he even like cursed. Yeah. He tried to prove that he was not a Christian or not of the way as they called it back then. Yeah. Right? But that's one of the most uh, powerful eyewitness testimonies ever, I think, because think about it. He was so scared that he cursed at a young girl or whoever it was. He cursed to try to convince that he didn't know Jesus. And then once Jesus was resurrected three days later, what happened? Peter started preaching to thousands yes. openly. The same people out there saying, Jesus is the Lord. He is the Savior. Yes. He is the King. And, and ultimately ended up being crucified. And he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way as his Savior. Yeah. But it wasn't that he was scared to be crucified. It was that, no, just don't let me do it the same way. I don't deserve to die the same way as the Savior of the world. Yes. Yeah. That's true. That's true eyewitness testimony that that just gives me evidence of how real Jesus yes. is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Listen, all I gotta say is is John never had those issues. All right, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus loved. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He called himself the love. 
Him whom Jesus, Jesus loved. loved. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. You know, I, I like to talk about Paul a lot too, because he was he wrote most of the epistles in the in the New Testament, and he was a Christian terrorist. Yeah. Literally, that was his job. He went and got orders him. orders to be able to kill the people of the way, and he that's what he was going around doing. And for him to be converted like that in such a powerful way, you know, he was blinded and he was told to go speak to the man in Damascus and, and to just to be converted like that, which is so powerful, it just shows you how powerful Jesus is. He could definitely heal my marriage if he could heal that. He could definitely take away your sins or whatever it may be. Whatever you're hiding in your room, hiding from Jesus, not wanting him to see, he could he can handle it. Yeah. 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 And it's it's again, there's the Bible is filled with examples of, you know, Jesus literally taking the trash of the earth, like literally the trash of the earth, and bringing them into such glory that, that you know, it's not about the good things that, you know, Jesus is going to do for you, but it's about like, it's literally about the message that, you know, you were such a mess, but he brought you into such glory because of his power, not of your own, because there, none of nothing that is done could be of your own power because obviously you've tried it. Like obviously you, yeah, you you've, you've done everything. But yeah. Jesus says, you know what? I got you. Like come to me, brother. So like, that's a good point. Let's let's talk about how how can you get closer to Jesus? How do you stop pushing yourself away? You know, by living in sin. Well, first of all, you gotta start filling your mind with good stuff during the week. A lot of times, what we do is uh, we fill our mind with darkness all week, and we expect the light of Christ to be in our life. Yeah. yeah. And we're literally filling ourselves with junk. You know, through the stuff we watch and listen to and the people we hang out with. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is. You're spending your time yes. with with more worldly things than you are with Christ. Spend time in your Bible. Start reading. Spend your morning in prayer. Like, talk to God. Tell him what's going on. God, this is what I'm struggling with. You know, he says you always give us a way out. Like, anytime you're tempted, there's always a way out. Look for the way out. Stop taking the, the easy path and just committing the sin. Just look for the way out and, and say, God... Show me a clear way out, and he will every time. Yeah, I mean, this is why that, you know, the Bible says also that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, that, like, we are literally family. Like, you're, you're not meant to do life alone. Like, you know, again, in, in something that's always been true in my life, like, when I, when I was struggling so much, it was because I was trying to do it alone. Like, if I had just had, like, if I had just called John up, like, and just said, hey, man, like, you know what, I'm, I'm really struggling today with porn. Like, I, I, I you know take me out let's go do something let's go watch a game like i i, I don't need to be in this house anymore like yeah you know what i'm saying like this is why why we're a family like and it you know it's it's something that everybody uses but it's in the bible for a reason like iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another like you you are literally supposed to be together and and shame again is one of those things that's going to keep you away. Like, but again, like is there, like you said, there can be no darkness where Jesus lives. Like, you know, and that's where you know shame lives. Is shame lives in the darkness. But like you said, if you there, there's nothing like like we've said this whole podcast. There is literally nothing, no matter what you have done, no matter what you are doing, that Jesus can't forgive you in shame. Yeah, you just got to humble yourself and, and seek the Lord. Seek seek out. Go to others. Go to, go to your brothers. Yeah. I think that's the, the the trickiest part is because like it's really easy to sit and talk about like oh how do you, how do you make Jesus feel welcome or how like how do you prepare your heart for those sorts of things or, or change your life and it's like yeah we can sit here and say oh you cut this out you do this with other people like you you do this but the the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is like sanctification at its root like it's the process of refinement mm-hmm. and refinement isn't 
like like the, the reason that the Bible uses the, the analogy of iron sharpening iron is because you have to have something as strong or stronger than the substance in order to shave it down. Like you can't you can't bring impure out gold without turning up the heat and melting it down again and again so that the impurities come to the surface. And it's like when we talk about daily life, nobody wants to be reminded that they have to sit and turn up the heat in their life to get rid of those impurities. Like, it's really easy to sit and, and tell somebody like, yeah, man, like come to somebody that like, confess to somebody, talk to somebody about with porn or that struggle with drugs or whatever it is. But when it comes to turning the heat up and move on to the next thing in, in, in that process of refinement, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And as humans, we're lazy and we comfort. We, we love for the familiarity. Um, and, and so we, we default in what we know. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible talks about that too. In, in first Peter's, uh, First, uh, chapter one, verse six says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelations of Jesus Christ. It's literally like there's so many examples of in the Bible of, you know, like I think it's, um, you see, uh, Jude, uh, maybe. Who's who's the guy in the in uh, the Bible that is literally one of the best best people in the whole wide world, but he still keeps getting um, uh, tested in uh, who am I? Job? Yes, Job. Job. Thank you very much. Uh, Job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's it, literally the Bible is filled with examples of you know the Lord. The Lord allows you to be tested. Like he he allows you to be. To have hardship because, again, I, I believe that, you know, the Lord allows us to get so low and whatever because it, it's often like I, I learned the best the hard way. Um, it, it's often, you know, a blessing that he allows us to to get so low because, again, he he lets us see the, the glory of God, you know. So anyways, yeah. well, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of good things. We don't want to, this to go too far. Um has anybody got any closing thoughts or anything? No, I just close with what you just said. It's First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful; will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's good to mention that. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, I, you know, I'm tempted. I, I can handle this. The truth is, God won't allow you anything that you can't handle through Him, with Him, yeah. with God. So if you're with the Lord and you and you seek the Lord when you have a problem, He's going to give you a way out. He's going to help you. Yeah, I mean the Lord's good at that way because, like I said, He's going to allow you to be tested, but like you said, He's going to always give you a way out. Like He's going to always say, you know, like you said that, like the hot dog thing, He's always going to give you a chance to swim away from yep. it. John, you got anything? I mean, I think the only thing I've got is just like the going back to kind of where we started this whole conversation with like the idea of a roommate. Um, it's you know, you you have things that you keep like at a house, right? You've got stuff that's the common area, right? It's like, like but then you've got stuff in your room, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the stuff in your room, specifically like in your closet or up bed or in the back of your drawer, like that's where you keep stuff you don't want anybody. To eat. That's where your hiding spots are. Um, and I think like in our lives, I can think of times when it's like, you know, to anybody else who came into my life or who shared space with. Um, you know, my my living room looked good, kitchen looked good, things were clean in my life, 
But if they really knew what I had in my closet or under back of my drawers, you know, they they would have seen how how um, you know like actually hurting and actually like struggling I was. Um, and yeah. so just just don't compare yourself with what you see in other people's lives because you don't you don't know what they're going through. You don't, and don't assume that you know don't need prayer or don't need help because we all do and we're all struggling with things every day um so i guess that's really all i got yeah awesome yeah so we'll just leave you with this don't believe there's good and bad days right there's a good day there's good and bad every day not just good and bad days like oh i'm having a bad day i'm having a good day there's good and bad every day you have to choose what you're going to focus on mm-hmm. but you gotta put on like you said you gotta put on joy every day just gotta put it on choose that choose joy Well, thank you all for listening to the 1024 podcast, the second episode, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you all. See you all. See you.